0: Hello and welcome to another Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou Sports with you every week here on the podcast. As you might notice, we're coming to you on Monday this week for a very special edition and we'll break all that down as to why the news of the year, month, whatever, has happened even since we last recorded. But joining me is the regional sports editor for the Columbia Daily Tribune, Kevin Grayler. How are you doing, Kevin? Very glad that I still have my job today. And that's not even a newspaper pun this time, you know, with everything that goes on. But yes, uh, as, as probably all of you know by now, uh, on early Saturday morning, Barry Odom was fired as Mizzou's head football coach. I know, him, Kevin, you and I have talked about in the past, we didn't think Barry was coaching for his job. I have no problem admitting I was wrong. Um, and I always kind of thought it was a 50 50 kind of decision. You can make the very an argument that Odom kind of didn't get his fair shake with injuries and he didn't get time because he's a true son. But at the same time, you can exactly see where the reasoning is that with losses to Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Wyoming in one season and Tennessee and only winning by 10, which they did Friday in Arkansas, um, is just not good enough. And that's a statement that Jim Stark made. Uh, when
1: you heard the news, what would you think? And where does Mizzou go from here? Mild surprise, to be honest. Um, I I figured Barry may just have have one more year, um, given he is coaching at his alma mater uh, at a university that he has lots of history with, not only as uh, a player when he was a linebacker in the late 1990s, but uh, then for a, a period of, what, about 18 years total, including that, but, but then as a graduate assistant, as safeties coach, defensive coordinator, he really worked his way all the way up. Then he went away to Memphis for three years, came back as defensive coordinator here for one season, then was promoted to succeed Gary Pinkle. Four seasons, 25-25 and 25 overall record, 6-6 six and six this year. I think when, when you evaluate this in your Jim Stirk. You look at all the momentum for the football program coming into 2019, the South End Zone Complex.
0: Yeah, and he a, mentioned that specifically. A, a relatively was a easy word.
1: schedule, yeah, yeah. And, and that's just looking at it objectively. Um, lots of national pundits, so you and you and I, we, we, we were talking. This could be, uh, you know, if last year was eight wins mm-hmm. for Missouri. This could be that double digit breakthrough for Barry Odom.
0: Yeah, I had it at 9 and 3, you had it at 10 and 2, and I completely admitted that not much more had to go right to get to 10 and 2, possibly even 11 and 1, and I that sounds stupid now, but we did say that about 4 months ago on this podcast and it sounded good then.
1: Then you lose to Wyoming week 1. Huh? What's going on? Yeah, that was that was bad. Okay. But that wasn't even their worst loss this season. Then you season. got five straight games at home. Tigers pull it together. Some really solid wins. Now, granted, not against the best teams. Some of those really easy wins. But the offense was clicking. Defense, especially when Cale Garrett was still healthy. Dynamite. He goes down against Troy. They look all right
0: against Ole Miss, who ends up being four and eight and fired their own head coach yesterday in Matt Luke. And then Vanderbilt happened.
1: But you think about it, October twelfth. Missouri was 5-1 mm-hmm. coming off the homecoming victory against Ole Miss. Rose into the Associated Press top 25 at 22. Mm-hmm. Now, and Sterk has long maintained that this should be a top 25 program. At that point in time, Perfect. less than two months ago, it indeed was. Mm-hmm. And it's just how far they fell so fast.
0: I mean, Vanderbilt wasn't good. I mean, Vanderbilt didn't, Vanderbilt didn't win another game the rest of the year. And then you look at Kentucky, where they were never in that game. They were never in the Georgia game. But then again, most people aren't in the Georgia game. But fair enough. They have a lifeless performance against Florida. They lose momentum against Tennessee. And then against a injury-riddled Arkansas team, they only win by 10. Yeah, just... It was it was odd. It's it was an odd year, I, I, and I think the one word I'd use to describe this Missouri season and how it will be remembered is divisive. I mean, turbulence there, but divisive. Just it's just it's not like there was no middle ground. Either you were a complete Odom supporter and you're like he deserves one more year, he didn't have his fair shake, or you you were leading with the the pitchforks and you wanted him out of here. And I think Jim Sturk, uh mentioned that they made the decision before the Arkansas game and. You know, this is this has got to be his make or break hire as an athletic director, and his legacy here will forever be tied to whoever the next head football coach is. It, because you fire somebody like Barry Odom, and you know, before I came to Odessa, I covered a little bit of Texas Tech football. And while I was there, they fired Cliff Kingsbury, who was more revered as a player and as a coach in Lubbock than Barry Odom was here. And Kirby Hocutt, their AD, who used to be was the original chair of the college football playoff, he since has take, uh, has, has stepped aside in that regard, uh, didn't hesitate. Didn't even hesitate to fire him after I think it was a 5-7 and seven season with Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback you know so or the year after Patrick Mahomes it was Jet Duffy as quarterback at that time um but you know and you could even hear in that press conference just how sad Kirby was it didn't work out we really didn't even hear that from Jim i hate to say it it it, said, it sounded like not that Jim had no remorse towards Barry but like Jim was confident Jim was like this this is what had to be done for the university's athletic department that he oversees to move forward and that kind of confidence We'll see if that pays off because, you know, I, I, do you think there has to be some p- blowback from players? You'd have to think that some fans wouldn't be upset. You'd have to think that there's a little bit of a disconnect with the alumni because Barry was an assistant coach on so many of those teams. It, 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 it just seems like it's, it, it, it's a turbulent short term, but maybe in the long term, and this is what Jim thinks, this will pay off heavily in the long term.
1: Well, it's definitely a major shakeup in every sense of the term. Because you're not only pushing Odom out the door, but you have to imagine that that the core of assistant coaches um, will not remain the same way that, that it was this year. Uh, you think about offensive coordinator Derek Dooley. He's gone. Zero percent chance he's back. Brad Davis, not not official, line. but you got to think gone. He
0: was going to be the fall guy for Odom State. Guaranteed. And so he's gone with Odom gone. Uh, Brad Davis, the offensive line coach, he's got to be gone. Um, I think the people who are safe are Brick Haley. As he, as the interim head coach. Now he's interim, yeah. I think I think Andy Hill, who's been the longest assistant, coached. Before, who was the coach before Pinkle? I uh, know I'm, I'm completely. Uh, it was Larry Smith. He was on Smith's staff. Um, he he'll stay. I believe Cornell Ford, who's been here since 01, will stay. Other than that, maybe Ryan Walters. If we, if if Jim hires an offensive minded guy and wants to bring his offense in, and that might be it. Uh, unfortunately. But uh,
1: the words from Stirk that the new head coach will make the personnel decisions as far as who is going to be on that staff in 2020. I'll add one more name. I'd be shocked if A.J.
0: Fadele is not on the new staff. No matter what position he holds, he's from here. His son lives here. His family lives here. I think, and he's a former Rockbridge head coach. I, th- I think he, he's going to be on the next staff, but
1: that might might not even happen. You know, who, who knows? But so there's going to be there's going to be a change across the board, and will you, be. you have ripple so many ripple effects. Yeah, you have two players in the past forty eight hours declaring for the NFL draft. Now, is that at all impacted by Odom being fired? We really don't know. Um, as, as I said to a co-worker when I heard the announcement. Uh, Jordan Elliott was already
0: out the door in my mind. He just slammed it behind him.
1: That's and Alberto, Alberto Al- Albert was
0: already out the door too. He just slammed it behind him too. Um, and then you have to look at the ripple effects With recruiting recruiting as well So Missouri's, On Friday night Missouri stood at 17 commits for the class of 2020 and that already was limited from 25 To 20 because of the recruiting restrictions With the NCAA um, Now it looks like they're down to 13 Dead set pledges which might Plummet by the time we're done with this because uh, two, two of the uh, Prospects Robert Wooten a defensive end from Stafford Texas and then Jalen St. John who goes to Trinity Catholic and St. Louis Both straight up decommitted and they might still consider Mizzou, but if it was a move they were confident they would still come here, they wouldn't have completely committed in the first place like J.J. Um, Hester, who is a wide receiver, did. And one more that I'm not. Kevon Billingsley from you, St. Louis both did. They both stayed committed, but they're pursuing other options in a sense. So 13 still on the board, but those are some heavy hitters from their recruiting class that are assessing other options. And I think that Mizzou is still in play for a couple other big names like Antonio Doyle, who hasn't committed yet. Uh, They weren't on the board for Dante Manning already, but uh, from Raytown, who's the best defensive player in the state at the high school level. But I have to think that unless his head coach gets out there and gets his recruiting staff in there, this is going to be maybe the worst recruiting class Mizzou's had in several years just just because of the timing and because of the people they already had on board and the NCAA,
1: everything combined. It doesn't look that great. And all of this puts the impetus on really having urgency with this hire. Um, we we, 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 we uh, know that, that Sterk is setting this timeline of a week and a half to two weeks when he hopes that he knows who will be the next head coach. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's how it worked with Konzo,
0: but that was not during a, a really important time of the year. So I think that Jim has even more of a sense of urgency than he did when he hired Konzo in about two weeks after Kim Anderson deserved to be fired. And plus, it was easier with Kim Anderson being fired because I don't think there was a single Mizzou fan who was like, yeah, you know, I think this is our guy moving forward, you know, after they'll finishing last in the SEC, I think in 2017. Or, in, yeah, in 2017. Um, you know, there were some people that are probably not, it's, if it's not a big name splash higher, it's probably going to not excite the fan base. You know, there's, I we, we will. I wrote an article in Monday's Tribune, it was online, late Sunday night, about, it was 10 names in print, 15 for online, because the last five were all kind of jokes, in kind of a sense. Um about names to look forward to, and one name I didn't put on there, uh, of the 15 of the 10, and I've heard kind of rumblings about, but I still don't think is a really good fit, is Willie Fritz at Tulane. I didn't put him on there for a very good reason, which is, he's basically, in my eyes, a poor man's Luke Fickle, and Luke Fickle I put ninth because, you know, just yes he yes he coached central missouri and was incredibly successful there with the sam houston state when i covered the fcs when i was at towson then with the georgia southern and tulane has had success at all those places but like tulane hasn't had more than eight wins since he's been there and he's a defensive coach to begin with i I just don't see him as a fit at missouri right now he's probably a good coach and probably can have success in the future I, i i would i would still just kind of be shocked if missouri goes outside the top 10 that i revealed uh as my picks. I'd be pretty shocked if the next head coach is not one of those ten people. So, what's the short list here? Okay. So, I did put uh, number one is Mike Morvell from Memphis um, on that list. And this is how, this is silly season for that reason. If I was writing this article 12 hours after I hit publish, I would not have put him number one. For a reason that, you know, just with the latest intel that I kind of have is that at this time, he has no interest in the Missouri job. Maybe because he's already kind of finding another power five job or he's going to sign an extension with Memphis, whatever it might be. He's not interested. uh, We believe at this time, he's not in the top mix of guys. He probably is a great fit for Missouri, still a fantastic fit, but I just don't think there's that huge mutual interest at this time. So, number two on that list was Brian Harson, the coach at Boise State. And I think that would be a home run hire as well. Uh, I just I just think that he also would be holding out for a better job and more promising things than Missouri. If Strick can hire him and Strick can get him on board, I think that that would serve very well for Missouri here. Uh, who did I have at number three? Oh, I had Billy Napier from Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, very much along those same lines. I do think he he might end up being Ole Miss's next coach. Uh, just because he's from that area and that's geographically makes more sense for him. Uh, number four was Jeff Monkin from Army. Uh, I, I, his record isn't a, isn't as impressive as Norvell, Harson, or who did I put it? Uh, Napier at number three. But the credentials are there. He's a Midwest guy, and it just, the style makes a lot of sense. And number five, I'm completely blanking on off the top of my head, was Jim Mora Jr. Um, and he's not currently coaching right now. It's just West Coast Connections kind of put him together with Stirk, and there's a lot of experience there. And I have to mention that the one person who would shoot up in my rankings of who I think is likely to be his next coach at number six would probably be my number three right now. It probably would my my updated rankings probably would be Harson one. Uh, Based on just notice, Harson one, Napier two, and then I had Lane Kiffin at FAU six in my article, but he'd be my number three right now. Uh, the former USC and Tennessee head coach, more Oakland Raiders head coach. Just it, it would be a splash higher and make waves. And I think it actually, as offensively for an offensive tactic guy, just makes a lot of sense. You know, things haven't exactly gone well with the end of any stop he's previously had. So, we'll see. But I, 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 the more I think about it, the more, if you look at just in a football sense, the more he makes sense. And I think the more he'd want to be a Power 5 head coach again, especially in the SEC. Inter- I can go through the rest of my top 10 if you want. I just don't want to bore these people with another list. <laughs> I mean, uh, some other names on there. Uh, Josh Hupel had at number 10. He'd be higher if it wasn't for his $10 million buyout. Um Ooh. Yeah, I think seven was Matt Campbell, the current Iowa State head coach. I just don't think he has an interest uh, to come to another Power 5 gig where conference titles aren't guaranteed to be there. Um, Nine was Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. Great group of five. Coach will be successful. He's just a defensive guy like Barry. I just don't think that's an exact fit at this moment. And I and number eight. Oh, number eight is the is an interesting one because it's Joe Brady, uh, who's and, and if you if you haven't watched college football this year, you're probably like, who the heck is Joe Brady? He's not related to Marsha or Peter or any of them. Um, he or Tom Brady for that matter. Um, he's the passing game coordinator for LSU and pretty much largely thought of is he's the one that's developed their current offense and pretty much put Joe Burrow in a position where he's looked at as the number one draft pick coming out this year and is probably going to win the Heisman Trophy in two weeks. He's only 30 years old. He play, Actually, he played at William Mary when I went to Towson, uh, which is FCS Colonial Athletic Association Schools. But he's going to be a head coach sometime soon. Does Jim pull that trigger? Probably can get him for rather cheap compared to some of the other guys I've mentioned. And Maybe that's maybe that's an option for where he goes. So that yeah, that's kind of the top ten kind of jumbled very quickly. If you want more background, please go read the story online. Uh, I put way too much thought into it, more than I put here. So yeah, Kevin, do you have any thoughts about my thoughts? <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, uh, <laughs> Ke- who would you want to hire? And if you were putting together your mock list, would
1: it be similar to mine? Yeah, I think it. Uh, at at this point. Uh, the the fact that we put out a story with with fifteen potential candidates shows that we really we really know nothing. Um, we maybe know something, but we know nothing. Um, it, this will be very telling. The caliber of coach that Stirk can bring in. Yeah, yeah. Um, if we're settling for Willie Fritz, he should be fired. Sorry. Go on. Because this this is really a defining juncture for Jim Sterk as. A D at Missouri. Um, this yep. is the firing Odom has been the biggest decision that Stirk has made since arriving in Columbia, and the way that this unfolds, which we really won't know, um, you know the, the the other end of of this coaching search process is you know whether it's successful or unsuccessful and until uh, you gotta you gotta give it some time. You gotta give it a, a years down the road. Say by two or three years in, we'll mm-hmm. maybe have a feel. Um, At least, like the long term feel. The short the short term is: can we get can 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 start bringing a guy who's going to excite the fan base, who's going to um, give Mizzou this uh, this sense of momentum back? Yep. Um, You know, after after the train comes off the tracks, is there going to be somebody from day one who comes in and and get it back on course? Mind you, in the midst of of lots of challenges of the NCAA sanctions. And, and all that comes with, you know, when I mean, we were just, just five days before Odom was fired, uh, you know, the, the NCAA decision comes down. Uh, probably four days, yeah. Right, right about four days that, that, we, that we knew. Strick got noticed that it was announced. Night That's
0: been admitted, and, and Barry was fired early Saturday morning. So right yeah. about four and a half days, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so really a whirlwind of events. And, and when the smoke clears and when you get into 2020. Um, what what's this going to shape up as for Mizzou football?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I mean, this has been a crazy kind of season. It's it's been it's been nuts to think about that. Yeah, if you would have told me that Matt Luke and Barry Odom would not have their jobs, but Derek Mason still would at Vanderbilt after the season they've had, because they were the worst team in the SEC. Uh, so three coaches were fired: Chad Morris, Barry Odom, Matt Luke, and Derek Mason still has a job. That's just nuts to me. That's how the SEC works. Maybe that's why Vanderbilt's in denial and will be at the bottom of this conference until he's gone. But um, in any sense, uh, before we speak a little bit more about this and go on to some volleyball and maybe a little basketball, uh, I want to shout out our local sponsor. Or sorry, Kevin will be back on the side of this with our local sponsors. But the national sponsor for the Mizzou Sports Podcast is Zaxby's. The Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. I had it last night. It was pretty good. Mm. My dog Bailey liked it, too. So if that tells you anything, but she'll eat anything. But you got to know it's good. you got to know it's good if she can't resist it. So uh, here is Kevin with our local sponsors. And then we'll talk a little bit more, wrap up this a little bit, and then get on to some volleyball and then make them the NCAA tournament up the
1: other end of this. Stay tuned. Like to thank our sponsors for the Mizzou Sports Podcast. University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create your perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols, State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong, here to help life go right. And now back to our podcast. And welcome back to
0: the Mizzou Sports Podcast. Thank you again to our local sponsors and Saxby's. Uh, so yeah, so kind of putting a bow on all everything Head Coaching Surge. It's, uh, yeah, Barry no, no longer has a job, won't work here. He'll probably land on his feet. I think he'll get a good D.C. job. If, if Justin Fuente stays at Virginia Tech, he could land there. Wherever If he moves, he'll probably get there. Barry will get a, DF, a Power 5 DC job without a problem. I agree with you. Yeah, and so, yeah, there'll be plenty more coming in the Tribune and, and probably even talk on here throughout the rest of the offseason uh, until we have an, until Missouri has a new head coach, until
1: anything happens. So yeah. We thought there was lots to unpack with yeah. the NCAA decision. And there still is. There still is. But we, we've got even more layers now with, with the head coaching search. Um and, and, and every step of the way, uh, we will have coverage in the Tribune and online at ColumbiaTribune.com. Um, throughout December, we'll have end-of-season stories just looking at uh, what went wrong, as, as if we haven't talked about or, or written about it enough already. Um, just looking back at the season that was, and with no bowl game um, ahead, uh, we, got, we got some extra time this year for that. Yeah, a week ago at this time, I'm driving to Kansas City. To, for, the, for the
0: Hall of Fame Classic from Mizzou and they're going to play Butler on Monday Mizzou night. Mizzou basketball. Yeah. That feels like a millennium ago. That feels <laughs> like such old news. Like, oh yeah, that, that, that happened. Because only since then, Mizzou basketball has lost twice. The NCAA sanctions have came down. Missouri played Arkansas. The volleyball team, which we'll get to in a minute, made the NCAA tournament. Odom got fired. I mean, re- a really uneventful week in Mizzou athletics. Uneventful. Very uneventful. Just, you know, I wish there was more stuff coming out. Uh, And before we forget, uh, both Jordan Elliott and Alberto Kuevanam declared for the draft. We're going there senior seasons. Uh, They'll no longer be in a Missouri uniform. We actually might already mentioned that. Actually, we did. Yeah, I just wanted to touch over that because we glanced over that very quickly in the beginning. So... I will mention that again. I apologize. So, yeah, let's, uh before we sound even more loopy with the lack of sleep you, we've had from Thanksgiving and all the trip to fan coming back. How about the, some positive volleyball talk? Yeah. Uh, so, the volleyball team is going to the tournament, I think, for the fifth straight year. Um, first under Josh Taylor, who, I mean, interim tag is off. Interim and, tag is off. And it doesn't look like they missed much of a beat this year. I mean, no. it looks like, I mean, from what we heard back in August, that it was kind of already Josh and Molly's team. Last year, and now it's just them in more in an official capacity. So they're headed again to Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska is the number five overall seed. They play Ball State in the first round. Missouri will play Northern Iowa in the first round. 4:30 uh, on Friday, and then it'll be a nighttime Saturday matchup should they beat Northern Iowa. Um, Missouri and Northern Iowa actually already played once this year. Missouri beat them, uh, actually in their home tournament, non-conference tournament. Uh, Northern Iowa won the, I think it's the Missouri Valley, uh, get the one bid from their conference. Uh, and as Josh Taylor said to me yesterday, uh, if if they advance, they fully expect to see Nebraska in the second round with how they're playing right now. Uh, Ball State, I'm not sure what conference they're in, but good luck to them trying to beat Link- uh, Nebraska in Lincoln. Uh, yeah, that's uh, it was very very expected news. They kind of seemed like they were right on the borderline of whether they would host or not. Turns out the NCAA kind of put them a little further back. They were the, I guess, the like 10th team off the line for hosting. So, they weren't really, weren't really even close, they hoped. But they'll be heading just five hours, I guess, northwest to Lincoln for a second straight de- season for the first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament.
1: Pretty impressive season by uh, Andrea Fuentes. Sophomore setter. Uh, today, she was named SEC Overall Player of the Week Woo-hoo. for the third time this year. Um, overall player and setter of the week. Um, really following in the footsteps of Molly Taylor. Um, formerly Molly Kreklew. Yeah. Formerly Molly Kreklew, that the best setter in, in program history. And um, it's kind of a cool dynamic with, with Molly as, a, as an assistant coach and and, and Fuentes, what, what she's been able to do and um, really orchestrating the offense through another strong season. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll hope for the best for them uh, in Lincoln and um, see if they can punch their way through that.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because if the top seeds went out, that'll put them I think at the Powell Alto Regional and the and then in, in, in the Sweet Sixteen and Elite Eight, because uh, four would go with five, because one would go with eight, yeah. So, stan no 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 Stanford got three. They would go to Madison, Wisconsin. Wisconsin was the four, uh, and so so a second and third round games would be in Madison, Wisconsin for them, uh, and then the Final Four this year is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I think it's PPG Paints Arena where the Penguins play is where they're holding it this year. So yeah, that's uh, some positives for them. They have a lot of good attackers this year. I think they were 21 and 7 and two of those losses were to Kentucky two more were to Baylor and Hawaii so among team I don't know how many matches they actually lost this year off the top of my head against teams who aren't hosting it's got to be it's three or less off the top of my head two losses to Kentucky one to Baylor one to Hawaii and they're all and Baylor's the number one overall seat Hawaii's like number 12 so definitely an impressive season for them uh yeah all right. Well, I, yeah, it's kind of, that's kind of it for them. Uh, completely touching on men's basketball here, they play tomorrow night, being December third against Charleston Southern uh, at Missoula. Arena. It should get back to their winning ways. They're not a, Charleston Southern's not even the best D one in their own town because uh, College of Charleston is one of the favorites to win the CAA this year. Uh, and then they head to face Temple in Philly on Saturday. Saturday. Uh, Temple nearly beat Maryland, who's number three in the country right now. Before Maryland. Uh, in the semifinals of the Orlando tournament, beat Harvard, who's really good, and then absolutely smacked Marquette in the final. So, Temple's a really good team. That'll be another good test for Missouri. It'll be a fantastic win if they could win that. But after how they looked against Oklahoma and Butler, I don't know if it looks too promising
1: right now, to be completely honest. Another early season challenge. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, you get to December. You think about that bragging rights game. That's coming up. Just about three weeks from now. Yeah, it's already
0: here. It's crazy. So, yeah, uh, thank you guys for tuning into this week's edition of the special Monday edition. We might have something planned for later in the week, based on whether some interviews can kind of come through. But if we don't get that, we'll probably wait until the middle of next week to come back with you for another edition. So, thank you guys for listening to this week's podcast. Kevin, give us the outro. For the
1: Mizzou Sports Podcast, until next time.